we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We come to the book of Jonah, and uh, we come to chapter number one. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the comforter that the Lord Jesus sent to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are present among us and that we have sensed the nearness of your presence in this meeting through the singing, the fellowship, the prayers of God's people. Now as we come to your word, we pray that you would speak to us from it and through it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we know the story. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're hearing this for the first time. But Jonah was an Israelite, the son of Amittai. He was a prophet. And he was called of God to do something very unusual, at least in the mind of Jonah, he was called to go not to the people of Israel to prophesy, at least in this particular instance. He was called to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the enemies of Israel. The Assyrians were wicked and violent people. They hated Israel. And they had carried out many heinous criminal acts against the Israelites in battle. They were a ruthless people, a people hated and despised by the Israelites and by Judah. But God said to Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh. And so what we have here is a story of a reluctant missionary. And I want to speak to you on that subject this morning, lessons learned from a reluctant missionary. Because I think if we look at this story and we look at the reasoning of Jonah in his disobedience, his unwillingness to go uh, to the people of Nineveh, I think if we examine his arguments, we shall see that we have much in common 
with Jonah. Because as Jonah made excuses, as Jonah uh, found reasons to disobey God, so too do we. And so may God speak to us here this morning. Lessons learned from a reluctant missionary. Well, in the first four verses, we've seen that God called Jonah to Nineveh, but Jonah rose up to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Imagine thinking that you can escape the presence of the Lord. That's what Adam and Eve thought in the garden, and now this is what Jonah the prophet thinks. I, I can run from God. I can get away from God and the responsibilities that he has given to me. And so he found a ship going to Tarshish. He's going the other direction. He pays the fare, buys the ticket, gets on board. But he didn't count on this in verse 4. The Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. And God sent the wind. And the sailors didn't know what to do. The storm was so mighty they had a sense that there was judgment uh, from God upon the vessel. And finally, Jonah confessed and said, fellas, it's all me. I've been running from God. And uh, so the sailor said, well, what do we need to do? He said, throw me overboard. Well, they didn't want to do that because they began to fear God. But nevertheless, they did it. And as soon as they did it, the wind and the storm ceased. Well, not only had God prepared a wind, but God had prepared a whale because right underneath Jonah, there was a hungry whale. And he decided to gulp him up, maybe thinking he had an evening snack. And he, that whale carried Jonah down in the depths of the sea, and Jonah was there in the belly of the whale. And there he cried out to God, and God, in mercy, answered Jonah's prayer, and that whale vomited, it's not a pretty picture, is it? Jonah out. Out on the land. Well, if you're going to end up, that's where you want to be, right? If you've been in the belly of the whale. And again, the Bible tells us, <clears throat> that God said to Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh. This time, having uh, you know, missed his ticket at the Carnival Cruise Line and having spent three nights in the belly of a whale, he said, I'll go. And so he went. And he cried and he preached the message that God gave him, a very simple message. And the people heard the message, and they responded to the message, and they repented in sackcloth, and God had mercy on them, and the city of Nineveh was spared. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God. You would think that Jonah would celebrate, but he didn't. No, he complained because he did not want to see the Ninevites receive the mercy of God. He knew that God would extend mercy to them if they would simply repent. And when they did, it grieved him. 
And so he wished that he had died, and he felt sorry for himself. And he went outside the city, just hoping maybe that God would still destroy the city. But God did not destroy the city because God had compassion on the people and mercy on them in their repentance. The sun began to beat down on Jonah that day as he wallowed in his self-pity and his complaint against the Lord. And the Lord prepared a weed that grew up, a weed that grew up quickly and then spread and provided shelter for Jonah from the heat. And Jonah found comfort in that weed. But then the Lord prepared a worm and the worm came and ate the weed and the weed was gone and Jonah had no shade and he complained that God had allowed the weed to perish. And God said, wait a minute. You're complaining that a weed perished? And you've complained that I've had mercy on thousands and thousands of people in a city? You need to get your priorities straight. And you know what? We need to get our priorities straight, don't we? Are you saved this morning? Would you say amen? Now think about it. Think about it. Your sins are forgiven. You have a home in heaven. You may get the news that you have terminal cancer. But you have hope in Jesus. You may go through financial hardships and difficulties. But let me just tell you, you have a God who has promised to supply all your need according to his riches and glory. You may come to times of great calamity and difficulty in making decisions, but you have a God who said that he would guide us with his eye continually, who promised that if we would trust in him with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding, if we would in all our ways acknowledge him, he promised that he would direct our paths. We have a God who is merciful. We have a God who is loving and so this morning, if you're saved, if you're on your way to heaven, rejoice in it. Thank God for your salvation. It's a wonderful thing to know God, and Jonah knew God. But Jonah wasn't particularly excited about others knowing God. He wanted Israel to experience revival. He wanted to see the people turn back to the Lord. But he wasn't concerned about the people outside of Israel, especially those who were his enemies, coming to know his God. He deemed them unworthy. But God loves the unworthy. He loves you. And all of us are unworthy. So we learned some lessons from a reluctant missionary. I hope you'll write them down. Number one, we learn a lesson about God's mission. We learn a lesson about God's mission. 
Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now the Israelites and the people of Judah, they were used to having the pagan people come to them. Jerusalem was the place where God was worshiped and they had the law of God. And so if you wanted the truth, if you wanted to come to God, then you would come to them. But now God tells Jonah something very interesting, something perhaps he had never considered is that he was not to just sit there and wait for people to come to him, but he was to arise and to go. By the way, you and I could have never made it to the Lord had he not come to us. Think of the woman on the well, or at the well rather, the woman of Samaria. We call her the woman at the well. She wasn't at the well that day when Jesus showed up, but he knew she was coming, and he went through Samaria, not because it was convenient. He went through Samaria because he knew she was coming. He went to her. And he found her in her sin and her despair. And so God says to Jonah, arise and go. This is the mission. The commandment was given to Jonah. And you and I have been given a command. Matthew 28, verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, that sounds a lot like the command given to Jonah, right? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, the Ninevites and all other nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So we looked at that passage earlier with the thought in mind that we are to go and make disciples. This is the command. How many times do we need to hear it before we start obeying it? How many times do we need to hear it before we understand that it is for us? Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our message. We carry the gospel. Luke 24, verse 48. And ye are witnesses of these things. Those of us who have met the Lord, who have experienced the grace and mercy of God, we know the difference that he has made in our lives. We are now witnesses that can give testimony of what he has done for us. John 20 and verse 21. Then said, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. We have been sent by the Son of God, and we've been sent by the Father. Acts 1 and verse 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We're to carry the message of the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. This is the mission. This is God's mission. Secondly, we see God's message. Look, if you would, again in Jonah chapter number 1 and verse number 2. Arise, 
Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness is come up before me. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and when you get there, I want you to preach the message that I've given you. I have a message, and I want you to proclaim my message. Now look, if you would please, in chapter number three, this is after, after Jonah gets out of the submarine. <laughs> he gets out of the whale, right? In Jonah chapter number three. And the word of the Lord, verse number one, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city. What he meant there is it's great in number of people. And preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. In other words, deliver the message that I tell you to proclaim. Preach the preaching that I bid thee. Verse 3, so Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. In other words, in obedience to God's command. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried. This doesn't mean that he wept tears, although he may have wept tears. What this means is that he cried with his voice, he proclaimed, he heralded, he preached the message that God had given him. And what was the message? Look in verse 4. He cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, what do we know about Nineveh? We know that it was a wicked city. We know that it was a violent city. We know that it was an immoral, uh, idolatrous city. And Jonah comes in as the messenger of God with a very simple message. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It was a simple message, wasn't it? It was a simple message. A message that spoke of God's judgment. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know that any of us would like to walk into the grocery store or to the neighborhood with that message. 40 days and hickory will be overthrown. Now, God hasn't given us that message. But that was the message that God gave to Jonah. And I imagine that Jonah, in his mind, struggled with how that message was going to be received, wouldn't you think? Yet 40 days and Nineveh's going to be overthrown, and who's giving them the message? An Israelite, their enemy. Jonah probably thought, I won't even make it into the city. They'll, have, they'll, they'll murder me before I ever make it there. The Ninevites were known for barbaric forms of torture. Perhaps Jonah thought about all the different possibilities of how he would be killed by the Ninevites. But yet, after three days in the belly of the whale, he knew that he had to do the job. And so he went reluctantly, but he nevertheless went. And he proclaimed the message 
of the gospel, the message of judgment that God had given him. Yet 40 days and Nineveh, Nineveh shall be overthrown. I want you to know that we live in a world that is perishing. People who do not know God are perishing. They are soon to be overthrown. Oh, there's no definite time period. It may be 40 days. It may be less. It may be 40 years. We do not know, but here's what we do know, that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return and bring judgment to this world. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. We are all going to stand before God. And the judgment will occur. And sinners will find themselves facing an eternity without hope and without God in an awful place called hell. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You put the time. Yet 40 years, yet four weeks, yet 12 years, we don't know. But here's what we do know, that every person who lives eventually dies. And after this, the judgment. And Jesus Christ did not come into the world, John chapter 3, to condemn the world. No, you see, the world was already condemned. Condemned because of their sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The Lord said to Adam and Eve in the garden, the day that you sin against me and take the fruit of the knowledge uh, of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day that you do that, ye shall surely die. You see, the overthrow began. And sinners without God face the wrath and judgment of God. Now, we can only think that these Ninevites were growing sick of themselves in their sin in their immorality and in their wickedness. They were seeing the, the fruitlessness of a sinful life. They were perhaps miserable. No doubt God was already working because Jonah just came in with a simple message, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You see, when you talk to people in this world, when you talk to people at work or when you talk to people at family gatherings and you talk to people in the shops and you begin to talk about the condition of this world, it is obvious that people sense that there's something wrong in this world today. And they're trying to, to, to address all the ills of humanity, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth trying to circumvent God to fix society. It will not happen. It will never happen. The only way to fix society is to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sin. The only way to experience the grace and mercy of God, the only way to receive the forgiveness of your sin and to secure a home in heaven is to come to the Lord Jesus and repent of your sin. It's a simple message, but it's a powerful message. It's so simple that we wonder if we should even utter it. Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. 
Christ was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the message of the gospel, that God loves you, that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to become a man without ceasing to be God, to live a righteous life in obedience to the Father, to go to the cross and suffer and bleed and die and make the payment for your sin and mine. He was buried in the tomb, and on the third day he arose again victorious over death, victorious over sin, victorious over this world, victorious over the devil. He gives then eternal life to all who will believe upon him. It's a simple message, but it's a powerful message. It's a powerful message. Paul said in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That simple message can save your soul from hell. That simple message applies when, when responded by in faith, uh, puts the application of the righteousness of God on your account. That simple message when responded to in faith uh, uh, covers your iniquity and your sin in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a simple message, but it is a powerful message. On my desk, I have some pictures, and I thought about it's Sunday. And I thought about Judy. And I know Harry's thinking about it. I didn't get a text this morning. I'm praying for you, preacher. But I'm thankful for all the ones I got. And because she trusted in Jesus... He has delivered her, Janine. He has delivered her from this world of death into his presence for all eternity. This is a powerful message. It's God's message. Look what happens in verse 5. So the people, chapter 3, so the people of Nineveh believed God. They heard the message, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And when they heard the message, they believed God. I want to tell you something. If we'll just simply proclaim the message, yes, there will be many who do not believe, but there will be those who will believe. You believed you have believed, perhaps this morning you're here and you have yet to believe. I hope that you will believe before the day is over. They believe God. And so what did they do? They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even unto the least of them. That means all the people, no matter their status, no matter their condition, they all repented. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. He laid aside his kingly robe, and he said, I'm a sinner, and he repented in dust and ashes. You see, this message is a powerful message. Paul, in Romans 10, verse 13, said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know what the Ninevites did that day? They called on the Lord. 
But then Paul says this, How then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Well, we have been sent, haven't we? And we've been sent with a message, one that is simple, one that is powerful. Let's carry the message. We learn another lesson from a reluctant missionary. We learn the lesson of God's mercy. The lesson of God's mercy. Notice again, in verse number seven, the king caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? You say they, 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 they realize that they were sinners. They realized that they were about to receive what they deserved. By the way, you can never get saved if you have never admitted that you're lost. Your sin will never be forgiven until you're willing to acknowledge that you are a sinner. And I think these people no doubt were sick of themselves. And I think what's happening in our nation, people are beginning to wake up and we're really getting sick of ourselves in this society. Well, I hope that's true. Verse 10. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. In other words, God said, because they've responded to me, because they've repented, I'm not going to destroy them. Now, I want you to know this didn't take God by surprise. This language is here to instruct us, to teach us, it took Jonah by surprise, but it didn't take God by surprise. God extended mercy. You know what the Bible tells us in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22? It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who is rich in mercy? You know, the older I get, the more acquainted I become with my own sin. The more I understand the wickedness of this world, the more I see how utterly hopeless it is here on this planet without God. And the more I understand how 
undeserving I am of his grace and how deserving I am of his judgment, and yet he is faithful. This morning we came into this house, many of us, with different things happening in our lives and different different problems and difficulties and temptations and struggles that we all have. And isn't it a glorious thing that when this choir sang about the worthiness of Jesus, that we sensed his presence in this place. That he would come and visit with us. That he would fellowship with us. That he would commune with us that he would hear our prayer, that he would answer our prayer, that he would guide us through the crisis and the difficulties, the uncertainties of our lives, the hardships that we're dealing with. God is faithful, and God is merciful. And he is looking to extend his mercy to all who will receive him. And as missionaries, not called to foreign field, although some are, and maybe God is calling some this month, but as missionaries sent to our community, let's not forget that we're recipients of God's mercy. And those that we look at and think, well, you know what? They've really messed up. And they're living an ungodly, wicked life. And we kind of get this sense to ourselves that we have concluded in our minds that they deserve judgment. We get that attitude, don't we? If you know you get that attitude, would you say amen this morning? If you look at others in disdain and contempt, if you judge your brother, oh, they blew it this time. You've forgotten that God is a God of mercy. You see, one thing too, I think, I said this, as I've gotten older, and as I've gotten older, obviously I've experienced more, and and God has worked in me more, and his word has worked in me more, and he's, he's helped me become acquainted with his people and the struggles of his people. And do you know what I think God has done for me? I think he's given me more patience, and I need it. And I know that he's given me more compassion. More compassion. God is a God of compassion and love. He doesn't wad us up and throw us away. He's a God of mercy. And we all stand in need of his mercy. His mercies are new every morning. His mercy endureth forever. Well, what do we learn from this reluctant missionary? Well, we learn a lot, don't we? We learn about God's mission. Arise and go. 
Don't wait for them to come. Go to them. We learn about God's message. It is simple, but it is profound and powerful. We learn about God's mercy. It endures forever. And then we learn about God's messenger. Look in chapter 4. I have to hurry here. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. God had mercy on the Ninevites. They repented of their sin, and he got mad about it. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled from before, uh, I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Maybe he was thinking, you know, when I get back to Israel and explain to them, why, why God delivered the enemies of Israel. Uh, people aren't going to be happy with me. I, I'm not altogether sure that's what he was thinking, but perhaps it was. Perhaps he was filled with regret because he knew those were the enemies of God and that he felt like they, they deserved death. And so he said, Lord, I, I'd rather be dead than alive and see this happen. Look at verse 4. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on the head of Jonah that he fainted, and he wished himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. He said, you're whining over a weed that you had nothing to do with because you don't want the sun beating on your head. And these are people that I made in my image and I've chosen not to condemn them and send them to hell, but I've chosen to have mercy on them and you got a bad attitude about it. I heard about a group that have a meeting or used to have a meeting called the Bad Attitude Baptist Blowout. <laughs> it's kind of funny to hear about, isn't it? 
and kind of sad. In fact, it's really sad. Because I know a lot of Baptists with bad attitudes. There's a world dying and going to hell. A world that Christ died for. A world that he created. That Satan polluted. But that Christ came to redeem. And the most important thing going on in the world is going on today through the ministry of the local church. Let's get in on it. You see, I think we learned some, mess, some, some lessons from the messenger. I'm just going to give these really quickly, so listen carefully. Jonah questioned God's plan and will. <laughs> I don't want to go to Nineveh. Why, why does God want me to go to Nineveh? Oh, he'll have mercy on those people. I don't want him to have mercy. You see, he thought he knew better than the Lord. And because of that, he disobeyed the Lord and ran in the opposite direction. We do the same thing. You want me to take a gospel track? You want me to witness to somebody? I might offend them. They won't like me. I don't have time for this. You see, these are all the things that we, this is the reasoning that we use. I, I, I'm I, like Moses. I, I'm not able. I'm not eloquent, we say. And so we don't do it. Well, then we learn that God is sovereign over the lives of his servants. God prepared the wind. God prepared the whale. God prepared the weed and the worm. Maybe you're in the wind right now. Maybe you're in the wind. Maybe you're in the whale. God is sovereign and he's merciful. Jonah teaches us that uh, of the inescapable nature of God's call upon our lives and our responsibility to obey him. You can't live in disobedience to God and live a happy, contented life. It won't happen. Many try to do it every day, but it will not happen. Jonah teaches us of the long-suffering of God upon his prophet and upon a pagan people. We see that Jonah valued his people over other people. By the way, we tend to do that too, don't we? We value our people over other people. Well, I got my family saved. <laughs> well, wait a minute. What about the rest of God's family? Jonah valued his comfort more than he valued the souls of men. Give to missions? Are you, I mean, are you kidding? Does, do, do you not understand we're in a time of inflation? And you want me to, you, you're going to ask me to give to missions? Absolutely. Absolutely. And without apology. And I need to do better personally. Why? Because it's what's important to God. And when what's important to God becomes important to us, we won't have any trouble with the rest of it. Here's the last one. Jonah failed to realize that he and his people enjoyed a privilege that others did not enjoy. You know who I am? 
I'm the son of Edward and Carol, folks. They took me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I grew up in a home that honored God. I grew up in a church where the Bible was preached. I heard the message of salvation. I am privileged. I'm privileged. But I meet people who didn't grow up the way I grew up. They didn't have the Bible preached to them the way it was preached to me. And they do things that I would never do. In fact, they do things that often make me uncomfortable, but they don't know any better because they haven't heard, because they haven't been taught. And when I begin, when I begin to forget that God has privileged me, and I begin to separate from the underprivileged, I'm speaking in spiritual terms, then I have forgotten what my responsibility is. And when I look down my nose upon them and I judge them and I say, I don't want to hang out with that crowd. And when I fail to carry the message to them, when I fail to be a friend to them, when I fail to pray for them, I have not realized that I have a privilege they don't have. And Paul realized it, and that's why he said this, I am a debtor. I have responsibility to a lost world to carry the message of the gospel. And so do you. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you and thank you once again for listening.